and welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we have a friend of mine. You know how you meet people on social media, but you don't really know them, but you feel like you know them, so they're your friends. Um, but I have Therese Gagne, who has written an amazing new book that we're going to talk about, has lived an amazing life. And um, uh, after we just celebrated uh, Veterans Day, I felt like having her on the show today was very important. So how are you doing today, Therese? I'm doing wonderful. And thank you so much for having me. And thank you for helping me promote my book, which I have right here called No Longer Silence. So I'm really excited to tell your audience all about it, especially in lieu of Veterans Day, which is when I actually released the book. For sure. So, you know, my show is unique in that we ask all of our guests kind of the same first question. And we start each one of our shows the same way by having our guests walk us through the arc of their careers. And you've had a military career. You're an advocate your Miss International World, and you're a journalist. Talk us through each of your career stops and uh, talk about what's keeping you busy now. All right. Well, that's, uh, let's see how I can keep this short. So basically, <laughs> um, I lived in Japan as a civilian and I was going to school there and I decided to join the military as a broadcast journalist. So I joined the Air Force as a broadcast journalist, went to DEMFOS, which is the Defense Information School at Fort Meade, Maryland, and then got sent right back to Japan. So while I was in Japan, I was an anchor, a reporter, radio show host. My name was DJ Fructis for Eagle 810. And I did that for a while. And then once my tour ended there, I got stationed at Joint Base Andrews where I did a lot of the POTUS missions. During that time, I would escort the media off and on base to see President Obama at the time. And during that time, I like to joke and tell people, you know, I was like one of those old school rappers with like a bunch of cassette tapes in their trunk, except I had a bunch of DVDs with my demo reel and my resume on it. So every time I would escort the media, I'd be like, hey, you know, I'm getting out of the military soon. Would you be my mentor? Because I want to be a reporter. And I would give out these demo reels. And so long story short, I ended up as soon as I got out of the military, going straight into network news. And I did that for a few months, but I told them when I signed with them that I had been accepted to Syracuse University and I was considering going to get my master's. And so basically I ended up leaving there, going to Syracuse, get my master's in broadcast and digital journalism from Newhouse. And then I was immediately hired by the same network um, as soon as I graduated. Uh, during that time, I became a regional reporter in South Carolina. So I covered the Carolinas, Georgia, Tennessee, Illinois, any breaking news that happened, I was on the spot for it. I did that for two years. And then I went to Florida, uh, West Palm Beach, where I did local news. And after I did local news, I came to D.C., where I accepted a, a job at uh, Newsy, now known as Scripps News. And I ended up becoming the first Pentagon correspondent. And I did that until 2022. Once my contract ended there, I decided to take a year off because, uh, you know, I lost a lot of family members during the pandemic. And one thing that I learned was, you know, the news will always be there, but your family might not be. So I had to prioritize that. Um, and so during that time, visited family, um, did a lot of networking. I ended up anchoring the Roland Martin show, um, doing a lot of cool things, being in a Bowflex, a couple Bowflex commercials. So I got into fitness modeling, um, did a pageant and raised awareness about homeless veteran women and their children, uh, raised thousands of dollars to help house those veterans. And then I did a pageant this year, Miss International World, where I got to compete against 22 other women from around the world. And I just got crowned about three or four weeks ago. So it's been an amazing journey. And now I can say that I'm an author who just published my first book and my memoir called No Longer Silent. And it's a book about overcoming trauma. 
So let's talk about the book. I mean, that's the reason you're here. No Longer Silent is out on sale now as we speak. What's it about and why did you write this book now? No Longer Silence, my memoir that I released on Veterans Day, and it's about overcoming trauma. So uh, as a child, I was raped from five to seven years old, and it goes into the trauma that I had to endure and overcome during that time in my life. And then later on, while I was serving in the military, I was raped by a service member. And so it kind of goes into all the traumas that I experienced from domestic violence to military sexual trauma, to child rape, and how I was able to overcome it. Basically my healing journey. But most importantly, it's more of a, a guide book, so to speak, for those who have gone through it. So it kind of helps them walk through the process. If they want to report it, what should they do? What should they not do? Um, if it's a family member and they think something's happening with one of the kids that's around them, how do you know? What are the red flags? How do you talk to them about that? And so basically I wrote this book because I wanted to help others who had survived those kind of traumas and help them understand and, and, and feel like they're being heard, feel like they're being understood and that I believe them. I understand what you're going through and I'm here for you. And I want to help you learn how to take your power back. And so that's why I'm, I'm so inspired that to, to have been able to write this book and I want to also point out the significance of why it came out on Veterans Day. This Veterans Day was the 10 year anniversary of when I was raped in the military. And so for me, Veterans Day from 2013 up until this year was not a good day for me because it would always trigger me. But now that I've come out with my book, it, it's making good memories for that day because now I know that I can take that pain and that suffering that I experienced on that day, turn it around and try to help other people, which has been my life's calling, which is why I joined the military, which is why I became a news reporter, because I love helping other people. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S, IAN.com at Lassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Let me ask you this question. I want to zoom out for a bit for my listeners who followed the debate in Washington around sexual assault in the military. Talk about your experience and how things have improved or haven't improved since your experience in the military. So during my time in the military, so when my incident happened, I was stationed at Yakota Air Base. So I was overseas. At that time, as I mentioned earlier, I was an anchor, radio show host. I was highly involved in the community. So literally I was everywhere. Like, you know, you would see me on magazine covers, commercials everywhere. And one of the programs that I was a part of was a program to help sexual assault survivors. So I would help them put on plays and disseminate different information if something like that happens to them. This was before my rape. But then when I was assaulted, I remember thinking, you know, I don't want to come forward because if I come forward about this, the entire country of Japan is going to know about it. Not only Japan, Korea and most of Europe. Kind of not the ideal uh, situation for someone who's so well known, you know, people finding out that this situation happened. And I knew that 
once it got out that people were going to be very judgmental and, you know, human nature, people just, you know, assume that you're making it up. And in that instance, that's exactly what happened. Um, I spent all this time helping other survivors and then I didn't even take my own advice. So I spent a week debating whether I should report it or not because I was scared it was going to ruin my career. People weren't going to believe me. And there was a chaplain on base who persuaded me to come forward. And she said that, you know, you don't want this to happen to other women. And if you don't say anything, it will. And she's right. I ended up finding out he did it to other people. So I came forward. We went to court. And during the, the court hearing, one of the things that had happened, um, how the system set up, they have different investigators um, look into the to the situation. A lot of times they'll get deployed and they'll pass their notes to the next investigator. So in my situation, I had one investigator, he deployed, passed it on. They lost a lot of the evidence and the information. So when we were in court, the judge had asked me um, a question and I said, yeah, there was witnesses. There was a girl that I told you about who saw me hours after it happened when my neck was bleeding and I had bruises all over my neck. And the judge was like, what do you mean? This isn't in the evidence at all. And I said, you guys said you were going to interview her. And I told you about her, provided pictures and everything. And it was like a bomb just dropped in the courtroom. Like you could hear an ant peeing on the floor. And so, you know, they said, we need to take a break. We need to take a break. And so once they came back from the break, they called the girl up because at the time she was stationed at Yokosuka and she was in the Navy. So they cold, they cold called her. She had no idea what was happening. And they're like, hey, we got a court hearing going on. We need you to testify right now over the phone. So she's like, oh my gosh, okay. So basically she told them what she had seen and heard. And because of that, um, his attorneys wanted to argue that in light of new evidence, they were requesting a new trial, which it wasn't new evidence. They had the evidence, they just lost it. And as a result of that, I couldn't go forward any, any further with that. Um, and so basically he ended up taking a plea deal. He got kicked out of the military, lost all of his benefits, but he didn't have to register as a sex offender. So when he goes and applies to any jobs now, on his records, it just says that he has an other than honorable discharge and doesn't give any reasons why. He could just say, oh, I got out medically. Oh, I just decided to get out. So he's now a civilian and could be going around raping people now. And yeah. no one would know because they did not require him to register as a sex offender, which is what I'm hoping the military will start changing. Um, they should not be getting an other than honorable discharge. They should be getting a dishonorable discharge. Um, on top of losing all of their benefits. Um, but I will say, as someone who worked at the Pentagon and who got to ask uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin um, and others at the Pentagon what they're doing to combat this issue, I do feel like a lot of things that they're doing now is very important, changing the chain of command from being involved in the investigation process, in the reporting process. Thankfully for me, I felt like my commander supported me. He believed me. He had my back. Um, even the base commander supported me, had my back uh, when I went to my new base at Joint Base Andrews. No one knew why I was there. I thought they did. And so everyone was super, super nice to me. And I was really paranoid that, oh, they're just being nice to me because they know I was assaulted. They had no idea. They were just being nice because that's just who they yeah. were, just beautiful, nice people. So I'm really happy the changes that they're starting to make. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's going to change the environment because I faced retaliation. I've, you know, I was put in a hotel for a month with um, armed escorts 
and couldn't go anywhere without them. And, you know, so couldn't go to chow hall, couldn't go to the gym. And when I did go out, people would whisper and no one wanted to talk to me. If I came in a room, they would stop talking. Events that would happen, they wouldn't tell me about it. Um, I had people call me a slut to my face, say it was my fault. I was making it up. Um, just some really horrible things. And so that retaliation and that fear of that is real. And a lot of times military members don't want to report the assaults because if you go seek mental help, they'll kick you out the military. Yeah. See, that's what they don't tell you. They encourage you to go to counseling. But if you go to counseling, you can get kicked out of the military. Who, or who, if you, who's your audience for this book? So my audience, it's a mix. Um, I'm reaching out to service members, veterans, but also civilians as well, because a lot of the topics I touch on in my book uh, ties into when I was raped as a child. And so what people should know about whether they have nieces and nephews, because it happens to girls and boys, what right. are the red flags for that? So I, I feel like my demographic or my audience is kind of a mix of people. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. One of the questions that I ask a lot of people, a lot of authors that come on the show, and we've had everyone from Sicily to Jada to just everyone come on the show talking about their book. But how did this, how did writing this book change you? And was it difficult for you to recount some of the events that you covered in your book? It was very difficult. Um, I'll start, let me start with your first question. So when the pandemic hit, I had decided that I wanted to start deep diving into some of my childhood trauma and start healing from it. So this is my healing journey. I go to counseling and I talk to my counselor about it and he encouraged me to do it. So I'm taking notes and journaling a lot, which was really helpful. I did notice I was getting a lot more nightmares and things of that nature, being triggered by certain things. But overall, I was able to figure out what certain things trigger me and figure out how to handle them or avoid them or what to do if they trigger me. So that was one of the great things about doing this. Um, during that process, I was almost done with my book when the story about Vanessa Guillen, the Fort Hood soldier who was murdered 
came out. And that's when it cemented it for me that I have to release this book. This is, this is just unacceptable. So I pushed forward with that and it has been such a blessing, but also I want to say it's been a blessing, but I also discovered a lot of things that I wish I hadn't found out. And I may not have found out had I not written the book. And I'm going to give you a little snippet of that because I do bring this up and talk about this in the book. Since I was a teenager, I was told that the man who had raped me as a child was dead, that he had been murdered. So when I was writing this book, I said, well, let me go find his obituary, you know, find a photo of him, put it in the book. And I started digging and researching and come to find out he's alive and well. Wow. And not only is he alive and well, I didn't remember this until I started researching him. He has tons of family in Baltimore, which is not too far from me. And his son, who he basically made participate in the assaulting, uh, lives in Baltimore. And I did some research and found out that he recently, I think in 2021 or 2022, went to jail for stabbing someone to death. So that bombshell was dropped on me. And I wish at the time before I found that out, my father begged and pleaded with me, he said, Therese, please let this go. It's only going to hurt you. This is not going to help with your healing if you keep digging into this. Mind you, he didn't know he was alive either. But then that's when I discovered he was and I felt like a bomb had been dropped on me. Sure. So now I'm restarting that whole healing journey just to try to overcome and heal from the fact that this man still start alive. Listening, start arm. listening to your daddy because your daddy knew something in his gut wasn't he sitting did. right. He did. He did. Yeah. And... You know, lesson learned. But now, you know, now there's a whole new fear that if this man finds out that this book's out, he could come after me. Yeah. That is a high possibility. But for me, I don't care. Yeah, I need to help other people and I'm not going to live in fear. Period. You own, you own your story. I, I, I love that about you. How can people buy the book and how can they follow you on social media? So I recommend everyone, if they can, go to my website. It's www.theresegarnier.com. And that's T-E-R-A-C-E-G-A-R-N-I-E-R.com. And they can get signed copies of my book. Now, I am selling it on Amazon, but they won't get a signed version. So if they can head over to my website, they'll get a signed copy. It may take a couple, a little bit longer than Amazon, but at least you'll get a nice personalized message. When they place the order, they can actually put in the notes what they would like me to say in it. Okay. Um, and so they can find it there. And if they'd like to follow my journey, um, as far as like my pageants, my woodworking, cause I build furniture, I do painting and things of that nature. They can head over to my Instagram, which is at miss M I S S underscore T underscore Garnier G A R N I E R. And T is just the letter T. And, um, I hope everyone gets a chance to really check out the book. Um, even if they've never had something happen to them, it's a great guide to help them if it happens to them or if it happens to anyone that they may know.